Time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Our child's mental health is just as important as the physical health and is of the same quality and support. Kate Middleton. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airways as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be the Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. That's www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Salutations, I'm Kirby, your host for today's show. Today, we're going to dive into the world of children's mental health. Yeah, and I'm Julia, your other host. Anyway, in segment two, we're going to have our guest, Nilan, talk about mental health. And in segment three, we're going to have our reporter, Rory. And right now, we have Kirpa. So, hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing great. A little tired after Halloween. Yeah, so I know today you're going to give us kind of a crash course into mental health. So why is mental health important? Um, mental health is important because it includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It also affects how we think, feel, and act, and it determines how we handle things like stress and, you know, maybe when we have a loss in the family. Definitely. Mental health can help you with, like, it's kind of monitors the hard things in life and, like, how you're coping with them. So can you prevent these mental health problems? There's no way to prevent mental health illnesses or issues, in fact. However, there are ways you can cope with them. Um, whatever helps you feel better can be a great way to make sure you'll feel good in that moment or from there on, such as for my personal um, experiences, music is a great coping um, mechanism I use when I you know, feel down or something. I feel like it really kind of lifts my spirits up. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, music, especially like alone time, I feel like a lot of the time we are told to like be with our friends or be with our family. But sometimes just being alone can really help me like cool down after a rough day. So I feel like in my experience, I've noticed a lot of my friends aren't really getting the mental health attention that I feel like they deserve because their parents are missing it or schools missing it. So what at what age do people actually start noticing mental health challenges in a child? There's no particular age, but it honestly can be shown at, like, any time. Statistically, 50% of children start showing mental health changes or illnesses by the age of 14, meaning that these mental health illnesses or changes can occur or emerge during childhood or adolescence years. Yeah, I've definitely seen that amongst, like, my siblings and my friends. Like, mental health changes seem to be really drastic once you turn, like, into a teenager. And maybe it's because you're turning into a teenager, like, because of hormonal changes, you start getting these mental health changes. Or it could be that they only show, these changes only show when you kind of grow up a little bit. So what are some of the most common mental illnesses or disorders that children seem to have um some of the most common mental disorders or illnesses in children are anxiety disorders autism depression ptsd which is post-traumatic syndrome disorder 
and then schizophrenia. And I personally think that from the way I've seen it around in my community, that anxiety is one of the number one um, issues I've noticed, even small anxieties such as like, you know, shaking your foot back and forth a lot or tapping or just doing anything like that. I feel like anxiety is kind of the number one um, illness. Yeah, definitely. And going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, how people start noticing these mental health changes around the age of 14. And I feel like that's also the time where a lot of us start to use social media and get more online and start high school. So do you think social media contributes to anxiety or depression at all? And have you like noticed that in your own experience or in your research? I personally feel that social media actually plays a big part in the way, you know, depression comes into factor as things like cyberbullying when you know some kids at this age are really ruthless and they decide to say really hurtful things to children online or even in person and I think that can really play a huge part because I've noticed in people like my friends have had many um TikToks made about them on private accounts you know hating on them and saying really rude things and I know that really affected them deeply Yeah, definitely. I feel like social media is kind of the loop of insecurities and uncertain body images, eating disorders. Like, social media is such a big part of that because it's contributed so many positive things to our society. And because of that, it's become such a big thing, big part of our society, which means that it's kind of effect on our mental health, especially teenagers' mental health is kind of a lot more dramatic than it would be without social media because social media is such an essential kind of part of our lives. So regarding these mental health changes and illnesses, what can parents do to help teens? Because like, you know, I feel like teens don't really listen to their parents because we always have this kind of rebellious spirit. Like if our mom tells us to put our phone away, we don't want to do that. We want to keep on using our phone. So do teens want parents to talk and listen more about mental health? Or do you think that parents can't really help the teens? Or like, how do you think parents can't help teens? Um, I personally think that parents can help teens by just, you know, expressing their worries, even though the child or the teenager may not listen to them. I feel like expressing them and letting your child know or warning them, getting them aware of what you think's going on can kind of make a difference for them, get them noticed. But I feel like personally from stories I've heard or my own experiences that many teenagers go more to their friends than they go to parents. And I think that, you know, parents they don't really get the whole story, you know? So like, I think just expressing your worries for them can be a really great thing just to get them aware of what you think is going on, whether they believe it or they deny it or anything like that. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to think about how social media like hits us at a certain age, especially when we're kind of almost cut off more from our parents. We're very, very socially influenced. I feel like I've heard certain phrases. I think in my family, um, there's like almost a saying that depression runs in our family or something like that, as if it's like something that can be genetically handed down. And so I was wondering what causes mental health problems? Are there like certain disorders that may, that you can be more genetically predestined to having? Is it mostly like environment, very like nature versus nurture kind of here? So what do you think? Um, what I personally think is that mental health problems can come from, you know, various factors. Like I had mentioned before, cyberbullying plays a huge part, you know, like things, including home situations like neglect, abuse or trauma they have may had in their past life. Maybe they were abused by their parents or they were neglected. They never got enough care or love. And so I think, you know, mental health doesn't just play in one factor like bullying. It plays into multiple different things that can cause the outcome of that person. Yeah, definitely. Like the whole entire social media thing is kind of stemming from other people creating this perfect, uh, quote unquote, perfect body image and like all of these standards that you're supposed to fit into. So that's kind of the main reason because like people their age, not even their age, like people all over the world are criticizing their appearance, telling them they have to be a certain way. That's kind of what is making social media the bad guy in this. So going back to the thing you said about like parents and friends and like how mentally changed people 
approach the friends and parents. So if someone approaches you like that and doesn't really have good mental health, so what should they do if they are worried about a friend or relative or if the friend tells them that they're not feeling so good? Like, what should we do? Um, I think maybe when a friend comes to you because they're having a difficult time or, you know, even your own kid or relative, I know at the spur of the moment, you may not know exactly what to say, but just being there for them and kind of giving them the comfort, I feel like makes a really big difference. I feel like if I need one of my friends and, you know, I don't really want to put them on the spot like that, just to try to give me advice and to help me. I think that, um, you know, just being there for them, you know, giving them a hug, telling them it's going to be okay, reassuring them that everything will be better. You just have to give it time. will, you know, make a great difference. It'll go a long way, I feel like. Yeah, and I agree with what you said earlier about how there is such an importance to mental health. I mean, like you said, it ties into our physical health, even though sometimes people treat it like it's the separate thing or it isn't like a real, real science, so it's often looked down upon or ignored. But I love how you gave us these really practical, kind of simple and easy explanation for what it is and what we can do to help. But that's all the time we have for this segment. But make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where I'll explain, well, we'll be interviewing Nilan on uh, children's mental health. And we want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions. So email us at info at be the star you are.org. That's info at be the star you are.org. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com, our creative community site at be the star you are.org. You can get involved with Be the Star You Are charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for our free newsletter, and make a donation to Be the Star You Are. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. 
Right now, we have Nilan on his public policy research on children's mental health. Nilan is a junior at Choate Rosemary Hall, where he's a member of his school's JFK Signature Program in Government and Public Service. His interest in public policy began in 2022 during the Summer Abroad Program, where he first-handedly witnessed the inequalities affecting Indigenous communities in Guatemala. Inspired by this international experience, Nilan interned with a state representative in Connecticut, where he helped the election campaign and received feedback from constituents. In the long run, he aspires to pursue a career in public policy. In addition, Nilan enjoys participating in Model UN, mock trial, organizing events for the South Asian Association, writing for the school newspaper, playing soccer, and rowing varsity crew. Under the guidance of Dr. Gregory Huber, Chair of the Department of Political Science at Yale, Nilan has been researching mental health policy, specifically Connecticut House Bill 5001 of 2022, an act concerning children's mental health. His research includes knowing the final bill, reading public hearing testimonies and saliently requested amendments, seeing which amendments requested were added, finding barriers in implementation, reading debate transcripts in House sessions, speaking with mental health experts, and meeting with state legislators. Welcome to the show, Nilan. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm really passionate about children's mental health, and I'm excited to share this passion with the listeners today. Yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit about the children's mental health crisis in general and, you know, specifically this crisis in Connecticut. Yeah. So in general, around a quarter of Americans struggle with mental illnesses of many types. And the most common ones found are depression, anxiety and eating disorders. And children are one of the groups most vulnerable to the mental health crisis that's present throughout the country. Um, There's been a 40% increase in mental health disorders among the youth, with one in five children affected by mental health. And um, this has been an evolving issue exacerbated recently by factors like opioids, social media, technology, school shootings, and especially the COVID-19 pandemic, where children were isolated and struggled to connect with friends. Um, Hospitals are at an all-time high in um, minor patients needing psychiatric services, but access to mental health care and adequate mental health infrastructure still remains inefficient. Um, 60% of our youth with major depression receives no care and one in 10 lack the necessary insurance coverage for these mental health issues. And this crisis among our nation's youth is reflected by the staggering statistic that 8.9% of our high school students attempt suicide. And it is clear that mental health is a national emergency. Keep going, keep going. That's absolutely terrifying. I was just reacting. Uh, Specifically in Connecticut, the mental health crisis existed well before the pandemic. Um, And there were smaller pieces of legislation leading up to the $200 million investment. That was House Bill 5001 of 2022. Um, The lack of resources in Connecticut, like reimbursing mental health care professionals, the need for outpatient services, preventative measures, and inpatient beds were standout concerns in the state amid the heightened number of children seeking mental health care services during the COVID-19 pandemic and after. The issue has been worsening at both federal and state levels, and in Connecticut, prevention remains the key focus for state representatives. Yeah, so that was absolutely terrifying to just hear those numbers and just statistics about how this crisis is almost being being ignored in a way how there isn't enough attention focused on it and it's amazing to hear about those legislative interventions that you're working on so what personally drew you to this topic yeah um as a high school student i've seen the critical condition that a lot of my friends and peers are in in terms of mental health Uh, my school's counseling office has become packed and it is very difficult to get an appointment for those who need it And being a student, I also understand that it's a costly evolving issue um, with new challenges posed every day to it, and most recently the pandemic. Um, It seemed to me that these mental health challenges 
especially among my fellow youth, were surrounding me and were a key concern. And knowing my passion for public policy, I wanted to learn more about legislative developments on an issue that could pose direct impacts to the community that I live in, whether that be the entire United States of America or Connecticut. Um, so I started off by doing some initial research on both federal and state bills regarding mental health, like the White House's $300 million pledge to expand school-based mental health services, um, the American Rescue Plan Act, which um, helps states recover after the COVID-19 pandemic, Massachusetts Mental Health Addressing Barriers to Care Act, and Iowa's House File 690 are all some important bills focusing on mental health education and increasing the number of school psychologists in both federal and state levels. And um, while I was doing this initial research, Connecticut's House Bill 5001 of 2022 stood out to me because of its, mostly because of its immense number of provisions, which was 73, and which posed a potential impact through substantial but necessary funding. Um, the Connecticut bill was also more local than the other bills, and in researching such a complex issue, I want to ensure my accessibility to lawmakers and experts in the field. I worked with Dr. Gregory Huber, the chair of the Department of Political Science at Yale, my research, and he has been an important advisor, guiding me through state legislation, its resources, and how I can go about my research. And so the topic of mental health interested me as a whole, and this bill specifically interested me because of its locality, um, notable provisions like opening an intensive outpatient program in a city very close to where I live, and um, just working overall to improve mental health care structure in Connecticut. Yeah, definitely. I feel like especially in the world that we live in, like the present day, mental health is such an important problem because so many, especially in teens, mental health is so poor and we need to do something about it. And it's so awesome that as a teen, you're actually standing up and acknowledging that this is a problem, that this needs to be solved and like finding ways to solve it. This is this is awesome. And I feel like it's so inspiring. So what do you think should be done to help with all of these mental health changes and this crisis that we have in Connecticut and even in the U.S.? Yeah, I think um, at all levels, mental health is an issue that requires constant monitor monitoring and following up. Um, like there must be legislative flexibility to new changes in the sphere and swift action to effectively address developments. Um, there should be new legislation each year actively expanding upon previous bills to make sure that progress already made does not go to waste and is continued. Um, I think collaboration especially is a very important facet of the issue, like collaborating between state legislators and stakeholders in the issue, like psychologists or school counselors, they should collaborate closely to ensure that legislation addresses needed changes, but is also feasible and sustainable. Um, so specifically in Connecticut, I think reimbursement for services should be expanded with outpatient services, insurance requirements, and inpatient beds. But more generally, in the United States, um, there still remain, remain many common needs throughout states um, in children's mental health care. Um, investing in children's early social and emotional development, increasing access to mental health services for low-income households, um, integrating mental health into the school curriculum, and allocating resources to strengthen the mental health workforce are all some important things that should still be addressed in federal legislation and state legislation. But this is a long process, and sufficiently addressing these many needs that are constantly expanding requires frequent um, attention. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to be like, oh, pass this legislation, pass these few bills, and we'll make take some steps towards fixing the problem. But I feel like in the in the realm of kind of legislation and getting these bills passed, there are just a lot of obstacle obstacles and tricky logistics in general. So in your research about the bills, what were some specific obstacles involved with getting them passed? Yeah, so even though the um, Connecticut's House bill 5001 of 2022 ended up being 
unanimously passed, there's still um, obstacles in politics involved. And the biggest concern ended up being the bill and its funding resources, which is a common concern in many of these mental health bills. Um, the House bill alone invested more than $36 million in children's mental health, and it had a companion bill in the state Senate, um, and together they invested around $200 million, which is a large sum. Um, and some of these provisions are funded by what's called the American Rescue Plan Act, which are one-time funds given by the federal government. And so the sustainability of these programs that are outlined was a question and concern that was frequently raised. Um, there's also access to programs and services outlined in the bill. Um, concerns on what districts programs will be available to, for, for example, um, who would be able to qualify for the programs, the process to getting access were um, concerns that were brought by people on both parties. Um, and these questions were well answered by a sponsor of the bill. They cleared up what provisions were reserved for certain districts and the process for getting access, which is really important in ensuring a unanimous vote. Um, and the final obstacle was the per parental consent for children, where representative raised important queries regarding if parental consent was necessary for some of the provisions in schools regarding children. Um, and fortunately, these were alleviated as um, consent is necessary for the applicable provisions in school. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this whole concept of like passing bills, it's a really complicated process. So like, what what exactly did the public think about the original bill? Like, did they have any changes they wanted to make? Because this is mental health, which is kind of like a touchy topic. Like, I feel like different people have different opinions about it. They have different thoughts of like how you can improve mental health. So what were some reactions from the public about it? Yeah, um, there were a wide, there's a wide variety of reactions um, in terms of what the reactions were saying and who was submitting these testimonies. So some residents submitted the testimonies who um, are loosely connected to mental health or people who run mental health who run psychology departments at um, higher education institutions also submitted testimonies. And these reactions were overall positive um, and they appreciated the strides taken by the bill to primarily address the mental health crisis. Um, like many of the bills mentioned the pandemic exacerbating the crisis, the heightened number of children needing the type of care. And a lot of the teachers who submitted the testimonies mentioned how they noticed trauma among children and how that sort of trauma has been clear in the classroom, showing that children's mental health also affects the larger issue of education. Um, there are also lots of changes that they sought out. So school counselors and family therapists, for example, want to be included as mental health specialists, um, which was outlined in some provisions of the bill. Health organizations called for expanding provisions already laid out, like adding in patient beds. Um, there were very few testimonies against the bill. Um, I believe there are two or three, and they simply said that the bill might be too disjointed, but these calls paled in comparison with the overflowing support from hundreds of testimonies for the bill. Yeah, so were any of the requested changes actually able to be made? Yeah, I'd say um, a large amount of them were able to be made, like the expansion of mental health specialists, that definition to include the people like school counselors, um, APRNs or advanced practice registered nurses, marriage and family therapists, and professional counselors were also added. Um, and then the request to develop the workforce was addressed by establishing a behavioral and mental health policy oversight committee. Um, but there were all there was also a large number of wants and the testimonies that were unable to be amended. But it's important to realize that a lot of these existed in the original bill and the amendments were simply calling for an expansion of them. Like, for example, in terms of outpatient services, the original bill already included opening up an intensive outpatient program in the Connecticut city of Waterbury. Um, and like the issue of inpatient beds was addressed by 
waiving the required certificate of need. So even though not all of the requested changes were able to be made, a large number of them already existed in the original bill and just couldn't be expanded because of financial constraints. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those changes are like really important, especially when you get like feedback on a bill, especially about like children's mental health from teachers and nurses. Like those are the most experienced people who like actually know about this stuff. So it's really essential that they actually make the changes that people of people of that occupation request to be made. So this is awesome. This has been awesome. So I I can see that you know quite a lot about this topic. So who exactly did you talk to or who did you contact to learn more about this bill and the effects of it? Yeah. Um, in my research, I really wanted to talk with a wide variety of people to gain an understanding of the bill and its impact from multiple perspectives. So um, first, I spoke with um, Connecticut State Representative Liz Linehan, who I had the opportunity of previously working with, and she was a key sponsor of the bill. Um, and I learned about politics, um, the intention of the bill, and the necessity of following up. I also met with some journalists like Connecticut Mirror journalist Jenna Carlesso, who closely followed the bill and reported important articles about its ongoing effects. Um, and I also spoke with a wide variety of stakeholders in the crisis who provided me with an important background on children's mental health care and how that's been positively impacted by the bill, as well as barriers they've noticed in the implementation of the bill. So I talked with Dr. Linda Mays of the Yale Child Study Center, Dr. David Steffens, the chair of UConn Psychiatry, his colleague, Dr. Asima Zeeger. And I also had the opportunity of speaking with Ms. Candace Bohr, who is the director of a youth service bureau in Connecticut called Newtown Youth and Family Services. And soon I plan to speak with more state legislators, school districts that are um, mentioned in the bill, as well as um, other organizations and family services throughout the state. Yeah, I think it's just so inspiring how you took it upon yourself to find a diverse range of perspective, consulting all sorts of different professionals. And it's amazing how you had that initiative. And so I feel like this is the question we've all kind of been waiting for. Uh, what is the actual impact of the bill on the children's mental health in Connecticut? Have you seen it at all in your life? Impact of the bill is still largely ongoing as many of the provisions are still in the process of rolling out. Um, set it, being set to take place in 2024 and beyond, but there are already significant strides taken. So, for example, the intensive outpatient program that I previously mentioned in the has saved lives and is providing help to more than 75 children at a time right now. Mental health providers can come to Connecticut due to license due to easy, easing licensure restrictions, um, and this is critical in terms of an adequate workforce for healthcare because, and the mental health crisis in Connecticut was worsened by the lack of the workforce and necessary people to, um, to do the work that is funded through these bills. And many of the stakeholders I spoke with in mental health spoke, said that the retention of these providers has improved drastically. Overall in Connecticut, the children's mental health crisis is getting better in the sense that it's starting to level which is hopeful amid rapid increases in the past years. So it's definitely going to be a slow change, but it's a necessary change that requires patience and hard work. And I think one of the biggest impacts the bill has made is that it brought substantial awareness to the issue. So hopefully being one of many future bills working to alleviate the crisis, it's a key step in terms of progress. As we make these issues of mental health sort of more talked about, especially in the legislative field, more improvement in infrastructure can be created and related to healthcare, which goes with constant expansion and reduces the taboo of mental health throughout the country. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this was such an important and interesting conversation. So, Nilan, thank you so much for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners enjoyed this conversation as well. And thank you for discussing this topic with us and bringing it up. 
And make sure to check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com, buy books and t-shirts in our store, and make a donation to BTSYA at www.bethestoryouare.org. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Truthy, and I'm here with my co-host, Julia. Right now, we have our very own reporter, Lori. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me, Kirti and Julia. Um, I'm doing pretty well. And yeah, my name is Rory, and welcome back to another breakdown, as the name of my show is called The Breakdown. Um, on our show today, we have been discussing how mental health is a very important aspect of a person's life. This especially applies to children and adolescents as well. And as of late, there have been a lot of conversations about children's mental health and increasing awareness revolving around this subject. And it has become evident that not enough is being done to help these kids learn how to deal with their emotions. And this problem has been going on for quite some time now. It was also made a lot worse by the pandemic because kids were left isolated and didn't have many outlets to share their emotions. And the simple question is, would you rather see kids being taught how to process their emotions in a productive way and seek help at a young age and showing them that it is okay to share their emotions with trusted adults or rather teach these people much later in life when they've already developed unhealthy habits when it comes to dealing with mental health challenges and I personally think the answer that everybody would agree upon is helping these children out as early as possible in order to prepare them to make healthier choices when faced with their emotions. I think the education system actually can play a huge role in fostering the ability in children to be self-aware and to know when they should ask for help. 
That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of the time people are like, oh, this mental health stuff should be left up to your family or like outside organizations. So why do you think that schools would actually be the best place to teach children about mental health, self-awareness and coping skills? Well, I mean, when you think about it, school is a place where children are educated on a daily basis. So why not make sure they are also learning about mental health awareness and coping skills in addition to their academic subjects? I mean, school is supposed to help build knowledge and build a base that will help children grow as individuals and help prepare them for their future lives. Schoolwork helps encourage time management and self-awareness and things of that nature. So if school is supposed to be about helping elevate these kids to higher levels while preparing them for life after school or even just the next level of schooling, then mental health education is even more critical because without good mental health, just like physical health, it is harder for students to focus on their assignments and goals that they need to accomplish. Mental health education fits right into the concept of schooling in general because you're preparing students for the real world and real world experiences that they will go through because by being able to teach these kids about emotional intelligence and integrating that into their curriculums, it will help set these children up for success. If children understand how to take care of their mental health properly, the results will be evident. The students will become stronger individuals who are more comfortable with their own character, and they will probably make better choices. Child psychologist Dr. Melissa Breimer has gone on the record to say that schools are crucial for keeping kids safe and connected with specific services for mental health. And many other psychologists all agree that schools can be used as a large foundation and educational base for showing children all there is to know about mental health. The connections that teachers and other educators, such as, you know, counselors and principals, the connections that they foster with these students can really affect the child positively. And if these educators are helping these kids achieve a better state of mind by offering them different mental health strategies, it will more likely it will be more likely that these lessons will stick with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's so important to especially children to teach them like mental health coping strategies because they can grow up and use those same strategies. So what are some of the challenges that schools face around integrating mental health skills into the curriculum and the lessons and the stuff they teach, basically? Yeah, well, unfortunately, right now, schools are facing a multitude of challenges when it comes to integrating mental health education into their school system. A lot of that has to do with COVID-19 as it did have a major impact on many kids' mental health well-being, and it also did create a lot of setbacks for schools and programs that would involve mental health education in these schools. Um, because here's the thing, before COVID-19, there was already an increase in mental instability in children. As the CDC's data suggests that the decade leading up to the pandemic, there was a 40% increase in depression and unsafe behaviors amongst children. So unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, many children felt like a huge storm was crashing down on them and they didn't know what to do. Schools at the time were already strained enough with staffing shortages, major budget cuts, and having to adapt to the new online school system that was being used worldwide wide. So having to deal with the mental health of children, unfortunately, even though it was at the time they needed it most, um, it really wasn't in the cards at that time. Um, and during 2020, the American Psychological Association pointed out that there was an increase in stigma, discrimination, and online bullying, which probably wouldn't have happened as drastically had school properly been in person. This is pertinent because even if we are on the other side of the pandemic now, my generation missed out on a lot of in-person social development and was affected by the mandatory isolation during this time. So to build a whole new curriculum based about being open about your mental health while everyone is still trying to recover from the isolation of the pandemic, even if they think they've quote unquote fully recovered, it can be hard. Uh, it will also be costly to add these like new mental health educators and Due to the isolation that the students of all ages dealt with, like as a result of COVID, I think it also created an additional unspoken stigma in our generation that talking to adults about mental health is kind of, I wouldn't want to go as far as say lame, but people definitely are uncomfortable with talking to these adults that can get them professional help. And that isolation only added more to that uncomfortableness about talking about such things. And while mental health is always important, it 
you can't always talk about the negatives with kids either. You have to also talk about the positive aspects, what people can get out of it by taking care of their mental health. Not only just the words that people often associate with mental health, like depression or anxiety and knowing both sides of mental health can help build these kids to be stronger. And unfortunately right now, the schools face challenges and being able to foster that environment. Yeah, for sure. I feel like mental health is just such a huge overwhelming problem if we kind of dump the responsibility purely on the schools like we're not going to get anywhere so i really believe that parents friends we can all kind of work together to address these challenges so how do you think schools can help parents support their children at home and just follow through with the mental health skills that they're learning at school well, I'm glad you asked that because there are many ways that schools help parents practice the mental health skills that children are being taught at school. And, you know, it is important for schools to reach out to their parents, to these parents, whenever there are concerns about a child's mental health and also equipping these parents with training, like to help create a safer environment at home for like maybe a, ch a child to feel more safe talking about these things and how to approach mental health without making it seem like some scary, big, overwhelming topic. Um, I mean, this really could create a safer environment at home for that kid. And, you know, just making them feel more comfortable to talk about what is bothering them is ultimately the, the top priority It is the goal. Another way to empower parents is by setting up conferences, much like parent-teacher conferences, to inform and discuss parents about the mental health state of their children and giving them suggestions regarding as what they should do as parents to help their child go through whatever they're going through and be by their side and be supportive. Schools can also encourage parents to be more involved in their child's education, whether that means, you know, going to school events or getting becoming a part of a committee or even just emailing your teachers and maybe like their teachers once a week and, you know, getting to know their teachers and getting to know their classes so they can be there and be more involved. And if a child feels like their parent is more involved and really does care about what they're going through, they're going to be more comfortable and open up. And also it'll definitely have a positive impact on their mental health. Um, the most important thing that I do think schools can do, however, is educate parents about their own behaviors and how it might reflect in their children's behaviors. Now, I understand that this can be a very difficult subject to talk to parents about because, you know, some parents themselves might feel uncomfortable speaking about mental health or they can become defensive or accusatory when talking about their own mental health because they really feel like they should just be focused on their child. But Honestly, studies have shown that it is important for parents themselves to be aware of the impact of their actions as well as how they process their emotions. An article from Child and Teen Health just tells parents to really pay attention to their own mental health state as if their children's as as their child will probably pay more attention to their behavior rather than what they tell their child to do. So that means like if a parent is mishandling their emotions or displaying poor mental health awareness, their child will likely pick up on that and display mo like those same behaviors rather than just listening to their parents telling them not to do that. And being there for a child really does mean taking care of your own mental health. So I think that the schools can help educate the parents on how to do that, which ultimately will then trickle have like a trickle down effect and will ultimately help the child too. Yes, definitely. Because like the way a parent takes care of themselves and maintains their mental health is obviously going to pass down to the child because the child grows up with the parent like for the whole entire life, for like 18 years of their life. They're like at home forever with that one parent. So obviously they're going to pick up some of those habits. So it's always good for a parent to have like good self-care habits so that the child can pick up on them too. So how can other members of our community help reinforce mental health awareness and coping skills for children, like other than parents and whatever we've discussed so far? Okay. Well, that's also a really, really good uh, question. Um, I think young adults can get involved, involved in this a lot. And if you do want to get involved in helping and educating children about mental health, there are plenty of things you can do in your community. You can look up youth initiatives that revolve around educating children about things like social media, how to stay present in the moment and not worry about things in the future or the past, how to face your emotions and anything else that is prevalent in mental health education. Um, you can also help uh, 
programs that are trying to push the government to help these kids and integrate mental health education in these schools by setting up outlets for these kids. Um, like maybe let's say like a mental health after school program, something like that, uh, while they're still trying to figure out how to integrate mental health education into the curriculum. Um, young adults, I mean, we have a really key role in this as well as the APA talks about how children are more likely to talk to other children about their problems before they speak to an adult. And I feel like young adults, teenagers are the perfect bridge for children because they, you know, we're young enough to be able to relate to them and probably have a lot of cultural understanding that maybe somebody who's way older might not get, but also we're old enough to be able to have that responsibility. And they offer training for people to know how to deal with various mental health situations, especially young adults, so they can ultimately connect with these kids more, especially if these uh, young adults have gone through similar situations to the kids. Um, Dr. Catherine Hogwood, uh, a psychologist and a professor at New York University, along with the help of other groups, put together a peer advocate program like that to, to train the youth too. Um, so that is just one example. And basically... To wrap this up, um, I would just say that placing importance on children's mental health is vital now. And I think the community can get involved, schools can get involved. And I think both of those, both the community and the schools really do need to get involved because they play such a vital role in a child's day-to-day -day life. And if we can help schools teach children and families how to manage their emotions in a healthy way from a very young age, we can create a safer and more tightly knit community that everyone feels their best in. I completely agree. I mean, mental health issues can so quickly spiral out of control and they are so overwhelming and they can destroy families, but they're also preventable. And if we equip these kids with the healthy coping mechanisms to succeed, something that both schools, parents, and is our responsibility as well, we can actually create a safe community, like you said. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Cell Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Jordan. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. And remember, mental health is so important. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.